a lot of the students who are in uh, academia, they don't really know about opportunities at National Lab. Mm -hmm. And so the more we do to create this and those uh, events and moment in time where people can meet and discuss what they're doing and uh, learn from each other, I think it, it's beneficial to, to recruit a great talent at the National Labs. You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join Michael Holtz and his guests for conversations about all things ORAU. They'll talk about ORAU storied history, our impact on an ever-changing world, our innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers, and our commitment to the communities where we do business. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Welcome to another episode of Further Together, the ORAU podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Michael Holtz, from the Communications and Marketing Department at ORAU. And today, we're talking about one of my favorite topics. I love talking about research. I love talking about the research we do at ORAU and with our university partners. And here to talk about all of that is one of my recurring guests, a favorite, Dr. Ken Tobin, Chief Research and University Partnerships Officer for ORAU, and Dr. Lauren Tatarin from the University of Central Florida. We're going to talk about some of her work. We're going to talk about us working in partnership with our university consortium and wherever the heck else this conversation goes. So, um, Lorraine, if you don't mind, first, I'll have you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. Uh, so I'm a professor, uh, associate professor at the University of Central Florida in the physics department and the Nanoscience Technologies Center. And I used to work at Oak Ridge National Lab with uh, Ken a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so now my research uh, at UCF focuses on nanoscale imaging and spectroscopy. And uh, it builds up on some work I started also at Oak Ridge National Lab. And we're also doing a lot of work uh, in mentoring and in developing some new uh, partnerships to help our students um, progress in the world. So. Awesome. That's all great stuff that we, we talk about quite often. Um, Ken, you've been here before, but tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. So I'm, as you mentioned, Chief Research and University Partnerships Office. And what that means, of course, is that um, my office, which is in the president's office, um, oversees our, our university consortium of 152 universities. And we also make links uh, with our own research staff and our subject matter experts on a wide variety of areas of, of activities and programs and such that we do with our federal customers and and programs. And um, so <clears throat> I, I think the today, the really cool thing about this conversation is that um, while the University of Central Florida is obviously one of our stellar universities that are members of our consortium and has been for quite some time, um, I've had, a, as, as Lorraine mentioned, uh, a long history working with, with her when I was at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. And it's interesting, uh, you know, it goes, it goes way back and it's just, it, it's one of those things where you, you meet people and they move and you, you have a network 
And it's we talk about the value and the importance of networks all the time. Um, but uh, I was actually doing work with the University of Burgundy in um, uh, Le Creusot, France, for many years. And uh, I don't recall if I actually worked with with your, some of your folks, Loren, but I do know that you came from that university at Oak Ridge because we had mm-hmm. some history as a laboratory working with the University of Burgundy. Mm-hmm. And you ended up working in my uh, my, my research division. Um, and, and the other thing, which she hasn't actually mentioned yet, was she was the recipient of a Eugene P. Wigner Fellowship at Ornell, which it was it's a very prestigious fellowship. Uh, on the work that she that she does, and um, hopefully she'll talk a little bit more about that work in a couple of minutes because it's so important. Um, but um, uh, we've we were able to kind of run into each other over the last year, looking at some opportunities where Lorraine is is very interested in in creating a, uh, a better and more diversity, equity, inclusion, acceptance opportunities for students particularly in the 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 areas of of uh, physics and and associated material science and things and it just was a perfect opportunity for uh, us to get together and look at how we might be able to help support some of her research and some of her goals and activities and programs that she's going after right now awesome and you know we know diversity equity inclusion and access are hugely important issues right now um Absolutely. Lauren, talk a little bit about that work and what what you're endeavoring to do to um, make physics more diverse, equitable, inclusive, and accessible. Yeah, so um, when uh, when I joined the uh, University of Central Florida, um, I was really happy to find, and that was one of the reasons I chose to come here, is that is we have a very diverse uh, student population. And in diverse in many ways. And so uh, as we started working, um, there are a lot of discussions in the physics department by some of my senior, uh, in the professor that were more senior at the time, because I was an assistant professor, of how can we make physics uh, more diverse? Because the physics department was still very um, traditional in the sense of always the same people are being recruited. And mm-hmm. what can we do to change that? and increase the representation of women, but also of many other groups of students that we uh, couldn't somehow uh, find in our program. And so since 2016, uh, we've been working with the American Physics Society and the Bridge Program, to, which is a, a special program to recruit uh, minority students in physics and mentor them and uh, we give them this bridge program gives them uh, one or two years to start kind of graduate courses and maybe a mix between undergraduate and graduate courses to uh, strengthen their portfolio. So then they become very competitive to get uh, uh, recruited in other PhD program, either here at UCF or other universities in the US. Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing that now for several years. And our students uh, who first started with us in the when the program was funded, they are now graduating. And now we find that, okay, you know, the problem we've uh, tackled early on in graduate school, now they're 
we're discovering new, we're running an experiment, right? We're finding new uh, bottlenecks somewhere else. So the question is, now you have a PhD or you're getting ready to have a PhD, how do you go about finding a career that as, is at the level of your degree and your skills? And there are a lot of things that come into play when you come from an environment where you you not you did not grow up in the family of academics and uh, or engineers and things, and you don't know how to go about things. And so um, what we find is that uh, networking and connecting people to say that we have all these skills here, we have these excellent students, and then we know other people that are looking for students with the skills, but how can we then, uh, allow them to meet and chat and see if there's a good match? And so that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> that sounds like great and very important work. And Ken, she's mentioned, we you said this early on, the word networking, very important to mm -hmm. build those relationships, um, build those bridges with, you know, not, not just to us, but out to, you know, our university partners to keep the um, the dialogue going between us and our university partners, not just for research, but as, you know, as we're hearing for diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, all, the, all of the big things, you know, that we've been, we've been focused on for a while. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, uh, you know, based on conversations that Lauren and I have had, you know, she's, for example, having success in, in um, bringing in students into the, the department, uh, get them getting degrees and, and finding opportunities, for example, in the national laboratory system. Uh, and these are people who maybe a couple of years ago would have never thought about a national laboratory or career in a national laboratory or that opportunities were out there for them or what that even meant. To, sure. to to go and 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 go work at a national laboratory on some area of science, and I, I think it'd be great if you could tell a little bit about about that background, Lorraine, and and you know some of the students that you worked with that are moving in that way, and in those fields. Definitely. So we have actually we have students that wouldn't even have thought about a graduate program, right? And right. they finish a master's degree or a PhD degree in physics. And uh, so we have a few students who went to work for um, Los Alamos and uh, another one I think is at NIST. And then uh, we have also some students who came out of the program who are working now for um, Honeywell at Lucky Martin. And uh, these are excellent students. So they learned this, the skills uh, of the research they were doing uh, with their advisors. And they're able to use that to, to you know, benefit important research um, in our industry and national apps. So we're excited about it. I, I think they really enjoy the work they're doing. And also they bring a new and fresh look at um, the problems, right? Because when you right. grow up in different environment and you and you exposed to different words, then you also look at problems differently. So that's beneficial for everyone to have more diverse workforce in the yeah, point of view yeah. makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. Of co and, and also, you know, for the challenges that we're facing in the future, 
they're new problems. We don't know how to tackle them. So okay. if we have different visions of things, mm -hmm. then we can come up with new solutions. And we see that all the time in the research lab here. So it's great to think that now the students will move on to great careers and, and share that with others. And have an impact. I mean, that's the great thing about um, exposing students, graduates, undergraduates to experiences in the labs is they're, they're doing impactful work right out of the gates. Right. I mean, they're, you know, they're doing research right away. So, um, yeah. So I had tackling a, the nation's problems, you know, yeah. I, to give you an example, I had a graduate, uh, undergraduate student in my lab who was getting experience and she was uh, very good. And when she graduated, she wanted to get some experience um, before she get, goes to grad school. So she spent some time at the NIH. And uh, it turns out that she contributed to doing the research on COVID because she was working in the group that was developing vaccine. And uh, at the time that she was there, the COVID started and then her group, because they had the expertise of developing vaccine, uh, did some tests for that. So it's, it's amazing to find that, you know, we're here in our little lab doing uh, experiments to just, you know, give a taste and curiosity to undergrad students to show them that it's possible to do things with that knowledge. And then they, two years later, go and work on something as important as developing the vaccine for COVID, right? They're off changing the world already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is really amazing. Um, and how important is, and I know we, we do talk about this all the time, but um, working with our consortium members, um, like the University of Central Florida, to make connections to our government agency partners, to provide those opportunities, open those doors for students of diverse backgrounds, of, of all backgrounds, but, you know, in particular, because I know it's a focus of ours and for our government agency partners of, you know, expanding the pool. Yeah, it's it's incredibly important. I mean, that the whole purpose of the ORU consortium is to help our universities do more and, you know, create inroads to those national laboratories and federal customers and partners, because they're the ones that are really looking for a, a skilled diverse workforce that's going to help them solve problems that, you know, we haven't even thought of today <laughs> in another <laughs> decade, right? Um, and, and of course, you know, the, the consortium, we, we do a lot of things to try to seed opportunities for, you know, junior faculty and, and, and other researchers, not just within the universities, but coupling them to what we do. So mm -hmm. obviously we have our our POW Junior Faculty Awards, and we have uh, event sponsorship grants, which we're, we're updating to call uh, Innovation Partnership Grants. I'll talk about that mm -hmm. in just a second. Um, and, and I'll talk about that with respect to um, Lorraine and some opportunities that she is, is going to be uh, hopefully moving forward with. Awesome. Um, our, our internally funded R&D program, the ODRD program, uh, which is another great way to work and, and partner with our universities. Uh, our annual meeting, virtual campus visits, um, uh, the partnerships that we are working right now very diligently uh, to set up with our with our universities. So we're, you know, one of the things that we're doing 
today, which I think is pretty unique to ORU, is we're actually building uh, clusters of universities who have interests and skills in certain areas and going after federal contracts um, with the NIH, with the National Science Foundation, with the Department of Energy, with DOD, with NASA, you know, to, to go after certain opportunities that would give more opportunities to our universities. And so um, the, the partnerships are paramount. That's that's what my office is all about. Mm-hmm. That's the foundation of ORU. You know, back in 1946, when it was formed, it was really pulling universities at the time from the Southeast together to go after um, new research opportunities with, with federal programs and laboratories. And so it's very important. But I do know that um, Lorraine was talking about some opportunities that'll be coming up um, where she's doing professional development opportunities, maybe webinars, career fairs, and things like that, where we can actually work with UCF uh, going forward to help her implement those types of things. And one of those things would be this uh, Innovation Partnerships Grant, which is uh, historically has been called the Events Grant, but we're trying to update that a little bit to really tie more of our ORU subject matter expert expertise into that process and go forward. But it's a very simple process, granting process, where for example, Lauren can submit us a, a very simple application and say, I want to hold a workshop. I want to hold a career fair. I want to do something. And I want to work with you or are you to do that? And we can give her $4,000 to help pull that together and get that done. It's a very simple process. And so hopefully, Lauren, I'll, I'll, I'll be getting an application from you pretty soon. <laughs> Mike, the, great thing is <laughs> the great thing is with that innovation partnership grant, Yes, you have the the opportunity to touch the lives of students, of yep, you know, academic partners, of potentially government agencies, and mm-hmm. in a in a different way from you know, sort of some of the you know, the consortium, but you know, in a the how do I want to say this? Um, for some folks, it may be a first touch to sure building those relationships and so if if we can provide the seed money to mm-hmm. spark someone's interest in a particular topic or a job fair or the opportunity to meet government partners um all of those things you know i know are kind of on the table so um Every it's a great way are. to yeah. to sort of start that funnel process of mm-hmm. come this way <laughs> Yes. Yeah, we we have I think um, a lot of the students who are in uh, academia they don't really know about opportunities at national labs, mm-hmm. and so the more we do to create this and those uh, events and moment in time where people can meet and discuss what they're doing and uh, learn from each other, I think it, it's beneficial too. To recruiting and, great talent at the national labs. And Lorraine, I just want to put out there that as your students are having those experiences and working for the national labs and the government agencies, I would love to talk about them on the podcast. Sure. Um, because it's it's always and we do that with you know a number of our programs, but it helps to um again, it helps other students maybe who aren't in Central Florida, who might be, you know, in Idaho or, you know, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, um, and again, don't have experience with the national labs, but maybe they've got an interest in a topic that one of your students is, is working on. 
um, we can help spread the word, put a name with, you know, a face with the agency and say, this is an opportunity that's available. Um, let's talk about it and again. You know, lots of young, lots of young people, young scientists don't think about the national labs. So if we're, if we're helping with that conversation, it benefits everybody. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, also, I think there are a lot of opportunities for students at the national lab for summer uh, programs at the Absolutely. undergraduate and graduate level. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of students um, take advantage of that. Again, because maybe REU programs from the NSF are, are something that is is something that is uh, discussed a lot in by it's our fault, right? Because we showcase REUs all the time. It's something close to us, but then we don't talk as much about SULI or other mm-hmm. programs in the for summer. And well, I, uh, I, I will tell you, I mean, we we encourage, and I think you're obviously familiar with the. The Zitelect website mm-hmm. or the Orize Go app for your phone. I mean, all of those um, internships are there. Mm-hmm. We just got to get the kids to want to look there to understand yeah. what that means and to know that they could get one of those pretty, pretty, you know, easily yeah. as it goes. But also t- for them to not think that they're not good enough to apply as a big Absolutely. Right? That's and, right. And that's where their personal uh Connection is important because once they talk to people who are recruiting for those internship and they hear from them directly that they're yep. very interested and oh your profile is so good, uh, then it changes everything. Absolutely, um, Lauren. I know we're we're a little bit up against a, a time stop, but. I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about your specific research and the work that you're doing um, with light matter interactions and, and all of that. So talk a little bit about the work that you're doing. Sure. So my group is uh, trying to um, do two things. One is uh, use tools that are combining uh, uh, nanoscale imaging and light or other way of exciting a system to study um, what a complex system like a cell or a plant cell, or even right now we have a project that is starting with Oak Ridge to look at how uh, polymers that you're developing for 3D printing are behaving as they're being uh, deposited and the heat and the cool and what is happening at the small scale that will affect the mechanical property of the parts that you're printing, things like that. So we want to see how we can use the existing tool to study this type of system. But then when we do that, we come across uh, some challenges that the tool cannot do uh, this measurement. So then we try to think how to modify the tool to make it do what we want it to do. So for instance, we have a, a big program that is starting that is funded by the Moore Foundation uh, where we want to um, use the nanoscale tip to machine a material to give it specific property at the very, very small scale, and then use that recipe to pattern a big array of those little, little defects. And if we can pattern those ar- arrays, we can then t- tweak the property of the material at the larger scale 
But to do that machining, we need to control the environment and we need to monitor what is happening in the material as we're modifying it so that we have this precise control. And all of this is not possible at that scale right now. So we're trying to um, build a team where we're able to do the characterization uh, before, after, but also do it as we're modifying the material and try to find some recipes to modify the material um, to give interesting defects for catalysis application, for uh, quantum information, for nanoelectronics, all uh, different applications. And I would say that uh, the training I got when I was at Oak Ridge National Lab has been a big part of all the work I've done until now because the, the great uh, benefit I had from being at Oak Ridge is that I was one of the only graduate students in the lab with uh, Thomas Tandat at the time. And I had my own setup and I could uh, change it, modify it, tweak it, run it all the time and you know at the university we have to share equipment a lot so there i was able to really make it my own and spend all kinds of time to uh, change things and tweak it and things and then we're surrounding with a, a lot of scientists that are still in the lab and have a huge experience in their field and i really learned a lot from that and so i think that uh, doing my research, PhD research there and then the fellowship there, it's it's uh, it's given me a really strong foundation, and so that's why I also uh, want to share that with my students now and try to convince them to go do some research at user facilities or with collaborators mm -hmm. at National Lab, so they can also see that academic research is a little bit different from National Lab research, but there's some. Uh, really good things that can come out of kind of combining the two. Absolutely. And you can solve problems and answer questions and and um, do big things. Yeah. Do, do big <laughs> things at the nanoscale. At the nanoscale, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, Lorraine, if I may ask, um, in terms of looking at you know for for defects and in, in the um, the polymers and that is that is that to ultimately benefit the construction to um, so, make the products longer lasting all of the above. I think for the uh, polymer project we have, it's not really as much making defect. It's really using the tool to understand what's happening in the polymer when okay. it's oh, is going through all the different transition that uh, of the printing process. And then if you can understand, uh, for instance, you have two phases, and then the region between those two phases is critical to what's going to happen in the big scale of the material. And so if we can go and probe what is happening at the interface like that, um, that would give great feedback to people who are uh, synthesizing the material and uh, tweaking the chemistry. I cannot do chemistry, so I cannot <laughs> tell you anything about it. <laughs> but I, I understand just that it's very important for them to know that. <laughs> and so the, in that case, you know, it's more of looking at the material and understanding how it behaves. In the case of defect, um, 
defect making is more that tweaking the property of the defect so that we can locally um, change the how the electronic density will be arranged. And by doing that, then we can you know, uh, create a favorable site for a chemical reaction. For instance, you can think about CO2 capture and conversion or methane capture and conversion. Or you, if you can create a defect that has a special spin, then you become uh, a, you produce a platform that's interesting for uh, qubits or for quantum sensing. Yeah. Um, so we're not uh, really tied to the application, more to how can we uh, figure out the tools so that we can enable these things. And then if, so if we have the tool that can do this nanomachining, then maybe it will spark some idea for somebody else that can do their own type of defect for some application of their dream, you know? <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for sharing um, about your research and what you're doing. It sounds incredibly interesting. And I hope we can come back and talk more about it at some point. Um, when, when you have, when you, have uh, you know more people and and understanding you know sort of where things are heading? Yeah, sure. And then uh, maybe next time I come with my students so they can tell you yeah. themselves all well, the great work yeah. they're doing. <laughs> fantastic! Yes, we would love that absolutely. So, yeah. and any closing thoughts before we wrap things up? Oh, I, I think Lorraine has said it all. You know, we're going to continue to work with not just UCF, but all of our universities. But uh, I think she's just a great example of the kinds of impact that, you know, we're, we being the universities and uh, 501c3 like us, who's interested in developing um, STEM talent, you know, the, what kind of directions we're trying to go and, and how these scenes can work together in a positive way from time to time. So Absolutely. that's really all I have to say, other than thanks. Thank you very much, Loren, for doing what you're doing and please keep up the good fight. Absolutely. No, and come you. back, come back again and, and we'll talk some more. I'd love to. Sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Both of you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU and on Instagram at O-R-A-U Together. If you like Further Together, the O-R-A-U podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.